Hello, it's Alex Scamander all by himself. This is just a little introduction that we're recording specially for this Christmas episode. When we recorded this, it was actually way back in the summer and was originally supposed to be the last episode of our first run. But then we decided The Great Hall was a fantastic epic finale, so we uh, had that as the finale and had this extra episode, you know, just hanging about. So we thought, you know what, it would be a fantastic Christmas treat to release this episode at Christmas. I hope you all have a wonderful Christmas. Hopefully you don't get a 50p coin from your relatives like Harry used to, but hopefully you do get invisibility cloak from Albus Dumbledore. It can happen. Stranger things have happened this year, let's be honest. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this festive special episode of Wanderlust, and take it away, Nick Longbottom. Percy led them through doorways hidden behind sliding panels and hanging tapestries. They climbed more staircases, yawning and dragging their feet. At the very end of a corridor hung a portrait of a very fat woman in a pink silk dress. Password, she said. Caput Draconis, said Percy, and the portrait swung forward to reveal a round hole in the wall. They all scrambled through it, Neville needed a leg up, and found themselves in the Gryffindor common room, a cosy, round room full of squashy armchairs. Percy directed the girls through one door to their dormitory, and the boys through another. At the top of a spiral staircase, they were obviously in one of the towers, they found their beds at last. Five four-posters hung with velvet curtains. Their trunks had already been brought up. Too tired to talk much, they pulled on their pyjamas and fell into bed. Hello everyone! Welcome to Wanderlust, the Harry Potter locations podcast where we take you through every single location of the books in more detail and depth than you would even have thought possible. I'm Nicholas Longbottom, Ravenclaw raconteur and certified genius, and after our long journey here you can kick back by the fire and play wholesome child games because we're in the Gryffindor common room. We'll be looking at the flu network, the staircases, the portraits, and sharing possibly the most interesting fact you will ever hear in your life. Sensible tech prefect Nicholas Ollivander is guiding us right as always, and head girl Steph Black is tutting audibly if we go up the wrong staircase. (laughs) The password for the portrait this week is yay. Surprisingly, (laughs) I'm not alone. My common room buddies today are... Oh, hello, Um, I'm Will Hagrid. Sorry, I was, I was still very amused by the, the password of today. Um, yes, uh, so named because though you can't see me, I look a lot like Minerva McGonagall. And uh, today I shall be talking about, uh, among other things, a certain valiant knight. Ooh. I'm Alex Scamander, I'm a Hufflepuff, and I'm going to be talking about furniture. Ooh. Hello, I'm Greta Granger. I'm also a Hufflepuff, and today I'm talking about upstairs, downstairs, moving stairs, and trick stairs. All of it. (laughs) Well, so, of course, the stairs in the book are notorious for being little pranksters themselves, apart from the Battle of Hogwarts, interestingly. That's when they don't move, so they know things have gotten real serious when that battle's going down. And usually they have a knack for moving around the stair chamber, usually when a student is walking on one of them. And there's also many trick stairs that cause victims to sink through and require another person to pull them out. Doesn't Neville get stuck in one of these at one point? Uh, if anyone was going to, it would be him, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, Harry definitely does in Goblet of Fire when Moody and Snape sort of turn up and he drops the map, but Moody picks it up. Yes. And then right. keeps it afterwards. Remember that? And and I think Harry's covered by his invisibility cloak the whole time. Maybe I've got those two interchanged, prophecy and all that. We've all done it. Especially Voldemort. <laughs> 
You'd have thought, like, in the Battle of Hogwarts, it would be quite helpful for the stairs to uh, dissolve and stuff to trick all the Death Eaters. Yeah, yeah well, that's <laughs> the day they're taking the day off. Yeah, it is weird. I feel like I'm misremembering the books, perhaps, but the movies do seem to make a much bigger deal that the stairs move in that way. It's never really described in the book, is it, that? No, it, no. It, it, it's not. It's, it's just a film thing. Okay, yeah. Mm. yeah. In the book, it's just an escalator. <laughs> well, that's what they were originally were going to do that in the film. They were going to make the steps. They weren't going to have them rotate 90-degree angles. They were actually going to have them like escalators. Oh. Oh, that would have looked naff. Yeah. It would have looked naff, yeah, because mm. everyone has seen an escalator. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, thankfully they didn't do that. They didn't do that for the films. So they came up with this idea that they were going to have the stairs sweep across, and mm. it came. They came up with a really complex design, which I find absolutely amazing. They intended it to look like um, what's it called? A, a double helix, like the DNA design. Oh, so that's oh. The, the final design. And I didn't realise this, but when they first walk in the film in Philosopher's Stone, they look up, and you can really see that. Huh. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. But where do these steps go? The Gryffindor common room. Hooray! Uh, the best common room. Yeah, well, <laughs> yes. well, is it near the kitchen, though? Mm, good point. So I'm going to talk about the movie, like how it was all presented in that compared to the book. And as you mentioned, Nick, when you read out the passage from the book, the room is supposed to be round, uh, circular, um, whereas in the movie it is not, because there are corners Corners, I tells you. Um, <laughs> I don't believe it. Actually, in one of the books, it does briefly mention Harry being... Oh, is it Harry? No, was it Ron and Lavender maybe being in a corner? In yes. The, so, you know, it already yeah, is doing undermined. Kissing and stuff. <laughs> so the design was, was intentionally supposed to come across as like warm, comfortable, to contrast Harry's life being under the stairs, which obviously was not those things. One of the main, main bits, the most exciting bits in the movie on the set is this... Uh, recreated medieval tapestry called The Lady and the Unicorn. Um, have any mm. of you noticed this along the wall? It's real, isn't it? It is real, yeah. You can find yeah. it in the Musée de Cluny in France. Um, and the reason oh. Stuart Craig chose it, because there's just a lot of gold and red in it, and obviously, you know, those are the uh, colours sure. of Gryffindor. Um, but it didn't really change throughout the movies. It's Because um, we've talked a lot about this in the past, haven't we? Like how certain... Uh, sets would evolve or just change altogether because <laughs> of a new director. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this or one the Warwick Davis has... comes in and plays the set instead. And... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Why aren't I um, playing the Gryffindor common room? <laughs> yes. But one of the few things that has changed actually is that the portraits changed in. Um, I wonder which which film you can guess that suddenly there was a few changes. Does anyone know? Can... Prisoner of Azkaban. Third one, surely. You yeah. are correct. Yes, of yes. course, Prisoner of Azkaban. That's cause... always, when everyone says, when did this change? Prisoner of Azkaban yeah. is usually the best guess. So just to, just to point out, just a few things that are added that you might be, want to look out for is there's a few new portraits. So for instance, you've got like uh, past heads of Gryffindor on there. You've got a small oil painting of a Quidditch match and a Hogarth-inspired picture of wizards playing cards. So you can check them all out when you um, oh, watch that. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. But if you carry on, of course, uh, it, from the common room, you go up some stairs and you'll find the smelly Gryffindor boys' dormitories. That's um, lads. That's lads. That's lads. And a similar idea where it should be quite comfortable, but quite basic. But the thing that's worth mentioning in, in the bedroom uh, is that each uh, boy has like unique things around it. So Ron, for instance, has Chudley Cannon's poster. Neville has mm. books on plants and nature. Uh, this, Nerd! This, this is, yeah. <laughs> this is what I think is slightly insulting. Uh, Seamus has shamrocks and supports the Irish national Quidditch team. 
Uh, so he wow. has no personality. Uh, he's just, I'm Irish, so therefore <laughs> I like Irish things. <laughs> yeah. And just to add, uh, it's not mentioned in the book, but Dean Thomas has West Ham stuff, because obviously Love he supports it. it and he's uh, muggle-born. Actually, whilst you're speaking on beds, Alex, did you hear the hmm. funny thing about as the kids grew up? Because they built the beds for when they were 11-year-olds and then hmm. they thought, oh, it looked yeah. really cute and quaint. And somehow they forgot that 11-year-olds grow through puberty <laughs> to become bigger. Yeah. And uh, oh, wow. they didn't build the beds bigger. So by the end, they were having to film these fully grown, essentially <laughs> men with their legs dangling off the end. Just huh? Huh? And then they had to film it at a certain angle so you couldn't see it because they were just far too big for these tiny beds. What? That is wonderful. Well, you wow. mentioned the girls' dormitory someone did there. So it's also in the tower alongside the boys' dormitory. You've got two doors leading off the common room and that's how you get there. Now, of course... The boys' staircase uh, has seven dormitories. The girls also has one too. But can any of you tell me what happens if a male tries to enter the girls' dormitory? Nick? I, I would assume that they, some sort of magical charm dispels them. Absolutely. So the girls' staircase is under a spell. So if a boy sets foot and persists for a few steps, a wailing klaxon goes off and the staircase turns into a stone slide. And this actually happens to Harry and Ron. I can't remember what book it is, but they try and go up to see Hermione. It's one of the later yeah. ones, if if I remember correctly. I've, yeah. I've got a vague memory. It's one of the later ones because it's like they've sort of half forgotten that that's what happens. Yeah, I think. absolutely. I feel like during the Battle of Hogwarts, <laughs> you could just stay in the girls' dormitory and you'd be safe because surely like, the Death Eaters would just keep sliding <laughs> down all the time. <laughs> oh, Brilliant. I love the image of Voldemort just being like... Well, the spell that is on the slide... It's called the Glissio charm. Now, what's this charm I say? Well, Glissio is an incantation of a charm that can be used to transform a staircase into a smooth slide. Does anyone remember another time that this comes into effect? No. I feel like Gringotts or... <laughs> Steph knows. What, what is Steph say? Yes, yeah, yeah. Hermione uses it in the Battle of Hogwarts when the Death Eaters are chasing them. She, she turns the stairs into a slide so they can get away quicker. Exactly the comedy scenario that Alex imagined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh my gosh. Go. So, going back to the girls' dormitories, usually there is a balance of genders in each house, although not always. So as there's five boys in the Gryffindor uh, common room, there's also must be roughly around five girls. So this is a game I've created called Who's Sleeping in My Room? where we guess the other girls that are in Hermione's bedroom. So hmm. we have very likely contenders are... Parvati Patel, whose sister mm -hmm. went to the Yule Ball with Ron. Mm -hmm. We also have Lavender Brown, who, of course, dated Ron. So, mm -hmm. so far, a bit of Ron's dating history, which is fun. Who else? Do we think of any other Gryffindor girls who could be in that common room? In that dormitory, even. Uh, so, hang on. Lavender Brown was sharing a room with Hermione. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that so. must have been so well, and intense. And Parvati. Yeah. yeah. And Parvati, yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, I just can't think of any other... Well, this is actually this is very hard. There's they're only ever mentioned, and it's never actually really confirmed. So one contender is Morag McDougal, who's also oh, yeah. sorted in their year. Great gal. However, <laughs> <laughs> however, in the 2001 documentary, J.K. Rowling she holds up a list of all the first years, and she's actually written out of all every single character in Harry's year. She's called Isabel McDougal at that point, so she must have changed her name oh. towards the end. But other two contenders are Sally Ann Perks. And Lily Moon, which is a great name. Lily Moon. <laughs> I wonder if that means Keith Moon is a member of the wizarding community. <laughs> seems, yes. seems likely, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 Well, that was a fun game. Well, there you go. 
But how did this common room system work? Like, is there a system in place for how they allocate and so forth? Uh, the common room system of Hogwarts is very loosely based on a, a phenomenon that's that's very UK-centric. So, obviously, communal areas, common rooms, if you will, have always existed. Um, but the formal common room system, it's very similar to the idea of having... Uh, in the military, an officer's mess and a sergeant's mess in a barracks. Mm. Uh, a sort of sacred private space where uh, people of higher ranks and lower ranks aren't allowed, where you can just actually relax with people who are just your peers and complain about yeah. stuff in a, in, a, in a safe space. Yeah. Um, most universities have JCRs, or junior common rooms, oh. uh, which... Very, very much like the Gryffindor common room is just a social space where uh, undergraduates socialise and do work and have parties and chill and do everything they do in the common rooms in Harry Potter. Of course, Hogwarts isn't a university. It's a school. It's somewhat loosely based on UK public schools. I don't mean schools that are public. I mean private schools, but the big posh grand ones. Uh, for some <laughs> this still It's a very confusing me. thing we've got going yeah. on there, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. One final thing on this. In 2009... The Junior Common Room Committee of Maudlin College, Oxford, voted to change its name to Gryffindor. Oh, Did it? Wow. really? I don't think wow. the university allowed it to happen, uh, but it was officially voted through. I think it was the case for at least a term. Uh, Maudlin College JCR had to be referred to as Gryffindor in all official documents. The JCR president uh, was also mandated to contact the JCR presidents of Christchurch, St. Hughes, and Merton Colleges, informing them that they should rename their common rooms Slytherin, Hufflepuff, and Ravenclaw. <laughs> wow. Um, he also had to write to the head of Maudlin College, asking him to change his name to Albus Dumbledore. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? And wrote to the head of Cambridge, telling him to chop off his nose? Like, where does it end? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it gets better. Uh, the only the only speech that was made against this was somebody saying, "Nonsense! We don't need this. What we need is to buy a sorting hat." So they added an amendment saying, "Also, you've got to buy a working sorting hat." There were only six <laughs> votes against this motion. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Tell you what, I love of an evening: a lovely, warm, cozy fireplace. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know there's a fireplace in a Gryffindor common room? What? No. no. Yeah. yeah. Why didn't someone and... say? <laughs> and, um, That's so funny because Nick was just talking about fireplaces there. It's such a weird coincidence. Yeah. What an yeah. unconnected coincidence. Yeah. yeah. But it is quite a strange thing, isn't it, that the uh, Gryffindor common room is connected to the flu network. Like, that is quite a strange mm. thing. Considering mm. how much security there is in Hogwarts, it is very odd to me that... Uh, Harry's able to talk to Sirius through the fireplace. But yeah, but it does sort of beg the question, like, uh, you know, can people come just arrive at the fireplace? So, in Harry's sixth year, it sort of clarifies it a little bit, because it makes a point that they, they make special arrangements with the ministry to allow students to arrive via flu network through the fireplace, implying they couldn't do it previously. So it's possible that it's actually restricted just to the talking head sort of situation where you can only stick your head through. Maybe it's for like Gryffindor students who are a bit homesick or something. You know, they want to mm. have a word of their parents. I don't know. Even yeah. though it's a, it's a public place. <laughs> it's, it's still quite odd, really. It's like a, a Zoom meeting, isn't it? Yeah. yeah exactly. Pretty much, yes. But yeah, there's not, to be honest, I didn't have much to say about the flu network. Um, I assume maybe there's going to be a lot more to talk about when one day when we reach the burrow. I feel like we could talk about mm. it now. Joe, a bit more I... Funnily enough, have an interesting semi-tangent from the flu network. Go on. Um, 
there's uh, a character that the actually leads me on to the fat lady. The character of Violet is someone that uh, the fat lady visits uh, mm, in yeah. sort of holidays and so on. And people suspect that this is Violet Tillyman, who was a witch in the 19th century who disappeared after entering the flu network but never reaching her destination. Um, oh, no. And she resurfaced ah. 20 years later as the most notorious case of accidental misdirection in flu network history. So, was she uh, like older? Do you know? I I don't know, but it did like if you can get lost that like drastically because Molly is obviously like oh no nothing to worry about da, 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 mm. and mm. he gets misdirected. Mm. But if it's there's that much potential, Harry could have just got lost for years and yeah. missed everything. Um, yeah, it is that is a weird moment in the book and the movie. Again, I think we might talk about this later. I can't wait. <laughs> Look forward to that, guys. Yeah. <laughs> in episode thirty of Wonderless. Oh, Alex, Alex, yeah. you do a thing. Um, we could make like you're about to say it, yeah. but then you get sucked into the flu network, yeah. and then when we do the flu network episode, <laughs> you can sploosh out of the flu network into that episode and finish the sentence. So what yes. you're saying is, Will, you want to get rid of me for a load of episodes in between. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know how to tell you, this seemed the best way. <laughs> yeah. Are we ready for this then? Are you going to okay. do the sentence, Alex? Okay. Uh, so yeah, I've got a really brilliant uh, uh, story um, in regards to in the borough, it, like weird difference between the movie and the film. Like so, when Harry's using it, <laughs> where's Alex gone? Alex? I, I, oh, Alex? Oh, I told him not to stand right next to that fireplace. Oh no! Oh, is Where he is he? Powder in his hand. Alex! 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 He's been fired, listeners. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I hope he comes back. That was a very good pun, Nick. I'm uh, going back for that pun. <laughs> it, it, it made me laugh. Alex, what what happened there? Um, I current. I'm using a time turner. I've come back. Wow. Does lockdown ever end? <laughs> it feels like this segment is never going to end. Uh, <laughs> it's not over. It's not over till the fat lady sings. Um, but yeah, that's all I have to really say about the the flu network. But speaking of mm. the fat lady, because you mentioned the fat lady, <laughs> Nick. I, I did, I did, nicely done. Uh, so the fat lady, <laughs> she's the portrait of a uh, woman uh, outside the Gryffindor common room that allows uh, children in uh, when they have the right uh, password. Uh, very little is actually known about the fat lady. Um, we never learn her real name. Although Steph did task me with trying to find out who she might be. So I went down, obviously, the old It's Not Over Till the Fat Lady Sings route. Mm, uh, this yes. is a reference to operatic sopranos who would traditionally sing at the end of uh, operas, specifically Wagner's The Ring Cycle, in which mm. uh, tells the story of the Valkyries, which were handmaidens of the gods. Um, and thus the fat lady would be a Valkyrie. <laughs> but obviously her love of singing is explained by if she is a, a Valkyrie and so on. And this is a little thing that's referenced in the films with... Dawn French, of course. I'm going to dip my toe into your territory here, Alex. A little <gasps> bit of film versus... Bo- I know. Do you, do you mind? Uh, any excuse okay? for anyone to talk about Dawn French is fine with me. Yeah. <laughs> She's portrayed by two separate actors in the series, Elizabeth Spriggs and Dawn French. Curiously, Chris Columbus actually said he wanted someone more comic um, in the latter films, even though it was Alfonso Cuaron uh, directing when she came in. Knew it! Mm. And he spotted her in the spoof of Harry Potter. With uh, oh. French and Saunders. Oh, the comic relief one. Yeah. Yes, like with Jeremy Irons playing Snape. It's yeah. great. It's really great. And because she's been there for quite a while, she's witnessed a few of the sort of things going on outside the Gryffindor common room. There's a story of when Molly Pruitt was a student in 1960s. She returned to the Gryffindor Tower at four o'clock in the morning after taking a late night stroll with her then boyfriend, now husband, 
Arthur Weasley. Um, And presumably she watches that awkward bit with Snape and Lily in 1975, when he's all like, I need to speak to Lily, and she comes out and is all like, oh, sorry, I called you a half-blood... So she's a a very uh, excellent lady, the fat lady. However, there is, of course, the tragic and uh, painful scene where she is attacked by Sirius Black and Mm. uh, uh, goes off to recuperate. This is in 1993, where she is briefly replaced by Mm. someone else. By the legend of legends, (laughs) Sir Sir Duggan. Yes. What a night! Oh, what a night! Ah, yes, his theme tune. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wrong here in 1993. Sucker Duggan. the fat lady. Yeah. <laughs> From his home on the seventh floor. See, Sucker Duggan. The bravest of the brave. Yes, um, indeed. She's got a very brief uh, cameo in the books. Uh, actually, a couple of brief cameos. They're all very good. Uh, he is originally uh, on the divination staircase on the seventh floor um, and uh, directs our heroes to the divination classroom very valiantly and heroically. Um, but then uh, he moves to the just outside the Gryffindor common room. He's the only portrait brave enough to take on the job after serious attacks of that lady. And because he's so cool, his backstory is expanded on uh, exhaustively on Wizarding World in a J.K. Rowling essay. Sir Cadogan was a knight of the round table whose history was inexplicably expunged from Muggle records. Um, <laughs> he seems to have got onto the, the knights of the round table by being friends with Merlin. Um, this puts the timelines all over the place, as does actually the inclusion of Merlin as a Hogwarts student, because uh, Hogwarts uh, is supposedly founded at least 500 years after the King Arthur stories are supposed to have taken place. But Maybe changed. it was just another Merlin. Just, just a random Merlin! But yes, uh, fully possible that uh, Sir Cadogan as a Gryffindor was taught by Godric Gryffindor himself. Uh, within canon, it's supposed to be around the, uh, the, the 10th, 11th centuries. Although that helmet, more like 14th, am I right? Oh, yeah. oh, glad, glad, glad you said, you said it, said Will. It. Yeah. So he's um, he's depicted in the picture uh, with a, a lovely fat pony who's dapperly grey. And this is because in the tale of Sir Cadogan, he is entrusted with the task of defeating the Wyvern of Y. Wyvern being a very fearsome sort of two-legged dragon. Um, the Wyvern is more than a match for Sir Cadogan. He breathes some fire on him and kills his horse, destroys his sword and cuts his wand in half. Sir Cadogan, oh, being incredibly brave, doesn't give up. He runs to a nearby field, grabs a fat pony, <laughs> and jumps onto the fat pony and charges back towards the dragon with only his uh, broken blackthorn wand in his hand. The dragon oh. opens its mouth to eat them whole, um, and Cadogan rides straight into the dragon's mouth, pierces his tongue, um, and because it's a backfiring wand, there's sparks flying. This ignites the gas within the wyvern, which explodes the wyvern. Wow. That is wonderful. Both he and the pony survive. Uh, the pony is then his unwilling steed for the rest of his life. <laughs> uh, the Aww. pony has no say in this. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's absolutely wonderful. And apparently there is a, a phrase in the wizarding world um, to, to take Sir Cadogan's pony which is to make the best of a, a bad situation. Oh. Uh, why, why do I feel like this story is vaguely autobiographical for you, Will? Like, if you were an, 
<laughs> if, you, if you were a knight, this is the oh, kind of yeah. knight you'd Exactly what I do. Exactly <laughs> what I do, yeah. I shall not be defeated by a dragon. No. <laughs> I'll ride into its mouth. <laughs> Won't see that coming. <laughs> so, Cadogan is also uh, known within canon to have had three wives, all of whom left him, which is interesting. Wow. Because the earls of Cadogan are UK earls currently with land in Wales. The current Earl Cadogan, who's a billionaire and also owns the entirety of Chelsea, the poshest bit of London, also has been married three times. Mm. Oh. Coincidence. Did he marry a maid in Chelsea? Oh. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. there's the pun of oh. the episode. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but that's because he went to the future, thought of it, and came back. <laughs> I know, yeah. so, I've already heard this podcast, and I heard yeah, I said exactly. that. <laughs> um, Sir Cadogan is barely seen in the films, which is a terrible shame, um, but he is played by the incredible Paul Whitehouse, Yeah, and there's two um, substantial Sir Cadogan scenes which were ultimately deleted. Um, mm. The second deleted scene is where it's at. It's the bit where... Uh, McGonagall is inside the Gryffindor common room, yes. um, which Sir Cadogan has snuck into through the portraits, despite supposedly being on guard. And she's she's going, oh, has anyone seen Sir Cadogan? And Percy goes, oh, he's over there in the corner. And he's in another portrait doing really quite lewd things <laughs> with young McGonagall's portrait. Oh what? my gosh. Yeah, it's really. It, you only see it for a moment, but then when uh, when when old McGonagall challenges him, he's he's very proud. He strides out of that portrait, gives young McGonagall some flowers, um, strides into another picture of lots of people, shoes away a cat, which is the funniest bit. Uh, to like, <laughs> get away there! It's the most magnificent. <laughs> um, and accidentally pushes someone out of a window. It's. Wonderful. Wow. Yeah. I must look this up at the end of this recording. It's, really it's on YouTube. Can't recommend it highly enough. Yeah. yeah. It's sad it didn't make it in. Yeah. But yes, you were mentioning some of the other pictures and portraits that he travels through, because obviously Fat Lady and Sir Cadogan are not the only ones. I believe you uh done something into this, Greta? A little bit. Well, we spoke about McGonagall's portrait that's in there, which uh, Cadogan goes to see. Uh, I love there's actually a little black cat in the corner of McGonagall's portrait, which, of course, is a bit of a nod to her Animagus, which I really enjoy. How do we know it's McGonagall in the portrait? Because. <laughs> you know what, Alex? Wow. Every single yes. time. Shut up, future Alex. Yeah. Just because you've had time to research, Alex. <laughs> I just got scamanded. No, no, the reason I sort of ask is because when I was doing my research, I came across as well. I'd never heard it before. And so I didn't really look too much into it because Steph said, oh, Greta's going to talk about it. So I didn't. But I just and was you wondering whether you you just knew. come along and scamander all over it. <laughs> Greta. <laughs> I love that that's the verb now. Yeah, to scamander. Yeah. I don't know. How do you? That's a very valid question. Thank you, Nick. Let's wasn't throw scamandering that, anyone. I was just Throw asking. that back to Greta there. How do we know? It's in the studio your... tour, men. It is in, in... studio <laughs> tour. <laughs> so if Greta, you're just... I have been on your side throughout this. <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not against anyone. <laughs> I just right, want you to can know. Come, you can come over come. here. You can go this over. is the last podcast. <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> I've been scamanded on every single week. You are evil. <laughs> I'm on your side, Greta. <laughs> I don't think you are. I don't think you are. 
guys, the, the two, enemy's out there. The enemy's out there. <laughs> Why is it always the Hufflepuffs? It's so he starts it. He starts every week. Oh, I'm gonna anyway. stop. In, I'm gonna stop asking questions now. Are there any other portraits? There are. So Stuart Craig has a portrait as well. He becomes Henry Bumblepuff from 1542, and Chris Columbus. How has do we one. know it's Henry Bumblepuff? <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, Alex. Sorry. <laughs> Get back in the flu powder, Alex. <laughs> back to the future. Okay, so there's Sir Bumblefluff. Cool. Um, who else? And there's Great also name. David Hayward, apparently. Although I don't know who he's called, but I think he does have a portrait in there somewhere as well. So lots of different wow. people. Yeah. Excellent fun. So, oh. Alex, some other people <laughs> that are in the common room. Who, who, who are there? Please, please proceed with your correct information. Um, <laughs> listeners, I should tell you that generally the episodes have a more relaxed friend. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Chill yeah. friend. Uh, well, I'm glad you asked, Greta. <laughs> um, yeah, because of course Sirius appears, doesn't he, in the fireplace. You know, I was, I was talking briefly about the flu network earlier um, and the only time we, it's really used, apart from uh, when it's mentioned that students are allowed to use it in the sixth year to come and go it is mm. briefly mentioned well no not mentioned but it happens Sirius appears in it a few times it happens twice in the movie series of course and what's most interesting to me is the uh, different design choices uh, in how Sirius is displayed yeah do you guys mm. remember the, the how they are how, the two differences like do you remember how it is in Goblet of Fire um, yeah that's sort of like you see his face sort of in the flames like a sort of well, Cle- clearly yeah. through the flame. I would say that's more in Order of the Phoenix. In Goblet of Fire, isn't it like the um, logs and stuff make up his features, don't they? Like the coal or whatever's mm-hmm. in the fireplace, yeah, like the, the ashes. The embers they talk- yeah. When yeah, he, yeah. yeah, the embers, yeah. They make up mm-hmm. his face, whereas in Order of the Phoenix, it's more what you said. Yeah, it's sort of like the flames, yeah. but you sort of see his face sort of vaguely sh- like showing in it. So it's like he sort of like pushed his face through the ash. Because yeah. he like, splatters a bit as well, doesn't he? He's like, pip, 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 yeah. which would be a really yeah. stupid way of communicating. Yeah. This is one of the times where you see a director obviously making their own creative choice. Um, mm. And we mentioned a lot about this. But this, in this case, it was um, Mike Newell, who did God of Fire. Obviously, he chose one way, and then uh, David Heyman chose his own way in, in the fifth one. Mm. But yeah, um, of course, those aren't the only events that happen in the common room. Um, mm. The Harry Ginny <laughs> kiss. Um, so, obviously, this is one of the most awkward moments in all of cinematic history. Um, in the books, it's actually quite a nice moment. Like, if you recall, I'm just going to read you a tiny little extract, so uh, here we are. Harry looked around. There was Ginny running toward him. She had a hard, blazing look on her face as she threw her arms around him, and without thinking, without planning it, without worrying about the fact that 50 people were watching, Harry kissed her. So... In the in the books, it's this spontaneous and unthinking mm. moment of passion because they've mm. just won the cup mm. and everyone's there. And then uh, Ron sees them across the room and he gives them a look and he's like, "Well, if you must." Uh, and all that kind of thing. <laughs> so it's very, um, you know, it's very sort of like that's the moment. In mm. the films, they have almost <laughs> tried to make it as awkward as they physically can. Mm. Uh, so uh, they have this odd, contrived seduction scene where Ginny leads him to the room of requirement, the requirement being to awkwardly flirt with him um, with such amorous techniques as making him biscuits, asking him to button her dress, and uh, tying his shoelace. 
because mm. nothing says romance like shoelaces. Um, I always think it's weird that uh, one of the twins comes in as well when he's doing up her dress and just like smirks at it all happening. Do you remember this in the film? Yeah. This, it's just yeah. weird. Mm. It's very... Bonnie Wright was actually asked um, if Daniel Radcliffe was a good kisser. So I know this will be the question on your mind, Greta. And, uh, Go on. <laughs> Not just Greta. <laughs> um, the question was, in fact, good lips on that wizard? And her reply was... <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I know, it was, Why it did was an uncouth ask it interview. normally? Good <laughs> lips on that wizard. Her reply was, yeah, they're okay. Oh, so that's not what you want, is it? But what do you even say to that? I mean, that is mental, like... Yeah, that's a tough question, I to suppose. be fair. Because I wouldn't have thought... When I mean, I've I've never done an on-screen kiss myself, but I imagine you're not really thinking too much about the quality of the other person's lips. You're just no, probably thinking, yeah. get this take done, end this. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. did start to annoy me after a while because obviously I see why all the interview questions were about like because they've grown up together and so on, especially yeah. with the Hermione and Ron kiss. Yeah, yeah. But all of these questions about like, oh, how was the kiss? Was it difficult? It's right. like they're actors. Yeah. Like it's another scene. Yeah. Um, anyway. I think we should uh, talk about other things. So, Nick, um, you know how you were saying how it's quite hard to know to remember how to kiss someone? You know what else is hard to remember? Yeah. The passwords for Gryffindor Common. Very Seamless. good. <laughs> I would like to clarify, I didn't say I find it hard to remember how hey, to kiss Nick, someone. remember how you said... <laughs> you know how you can't <laughs> kiss? Like, this, yeah. is, this is a Nick, slow <laughs> character dis- distraction. Well, we had that little chat. Funnily enough, on that subject, the first password I have in 1996 is the word abstinence. So that's the first one that's been recorded. Oh. Can you name any others? You'll remember the one I did for the intro. That's the one of <laughs> Harry's first Capra Draconis, yeah. Capra Draconis, which means dragon's head. Mm-hmm. But uh, there are various passwords. Uh, can you remember any of them? Anyone? I only have room Flippity for Dumbledore's Gibbet office. Once, I think. Flippity Gibbet, that is certainly mm. one. 1993. Mm. A good year. Mimbulus Mimbletonia, says oh, yeah. Steph, which is one. Uh, in fact, that's the only one that Neville Longbottom was able to remember. Oh, the so because it is a plant, isn't it? Is oh, it? Yes. is it? Oh, okay. Very good. Uh, or it's, it's the sort of noise you'd make if you were stumbling over a password. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mimbulus Mimbletonia. More like Mimbulus yes! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what if you're just like stumbling past eating Turkish delight and you're just mumbling and then you get in the. Oh, this is where the comic Pig snout. Yeah. yeah. What's one password one, two, three? <laughs> that's, is it password? that's all my passwords. <laughs> yeah. um, Boulder Dash, Banana Fritters, Baubles, Fairy Lights, Fortuna Major. That is the oh, one that yeah. they say when she is singing. Uh, Odds yeah. Bodikins. Oh, that's oh, fun. Oh, yes. Yes. Quid agis, which in Latin means um, William. What age? Ooh, close. What are you doing? Uh, uh, or oh, Steph Black says, who dis? Um, <laughs> <laughs> scurvy cur, tapeworm, and wattlebird are all the listed passwords. So uh, wow. there's not really a theme with them, is there? I always thought there was like a theme. Well, it's just sort yeah. of general, general nonsense and silliness, yeah. but. Uh, the trio generally do quite well at remembering those, so uh, I guess that's the important thing. They do. Or is it just Hermione? Mm. Just yeah. with Hermione. I tell you what, yeah. the General. trio also are really good at doing is talking about <laughs> sensitive situations in <laughs> <laughs> in oh. open spaces where there's not Very a lot of confidentiality. Um, so I've just got two key examples with this that they often 
sit in the common room and they talk about information that really should not be spoken about in an area where there's loads of people who could just come in and hear exactly what they're saying. One of my favourite yeah. examples is in the Philosopher's Stone. Do we remember after they go to the Forbidden Forest, they come back and they're all sat there and Harry's pinging back between Hermione and Ron. And Hermione actually has the line, you mean you know who out there is out there right now in the forest, which she yells. <laughs> at the uh, that was a very good Hermione. That was a very good Hermione. It should have been you. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it should have been. Yeah, they're very, they're very unsubtle about it, aren't they? There was like talking openly in corridors and... Uh, but apparently she actually did a little... Um, I don't know if you're going to talk about this, Grandma, so I don't want to tread on your toes. No, go for it. But uh, she was, like, saying how um, someone asked her, like, why is Harry and Ron never, ever done the homework? Like, why, why are they such bad students? And she was like, well, partly it's because that's what Hermione's there for, because she has done the homework, so they can ask her things and she can do exposition. Mm. So yeah. um, she, she's literally the sounding board of, like, but what does that mean? And she's like, well, I'll tell you. But they do have these conversations in very public places. So, I suppose uh, it'd be better if there were corners in the common room to sort of like, have little <laughs> <laughs> conversations <laughs> in. But no, the so. architecture is less stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. also, uh, circular rooms really refract sound. Really? Really? Yeah. Mm. I mean, Fancy as anything, yeah. Well, speaking of keeping the secrets, what about any <laughs> passageways that are not <laughs> too knowledgeable? Mm. Well, uh, yeah, um... Of course, tapestries are often used to hide secret passageways, and um, the entrance <laughs> to the Gryffindor common room is sort of a secret passageway. Um, it's it's behind a painting. In the books, it's a hole. Along with the staircase slide, uh, it makes the Gryffindor common room awesome and cool, <laughs> as befits the best common room for the best house. Mm. Um, it's um, it, The whole thing becomes a... <laughs> becomes a bit more like an adventure playground, which is very Gryffindor, but uh, an adventure playground shaped yes. like a castle. Childish is another word for that, but uh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yes. Second, and finally, and by way of proof, question for you all, what is the most common thing to find behind a painting in fiction? It's not uh, a safe? A safe, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The painting entrance puts the Gryffindor common room in that strand of fiction, as opposed to the area covering just mere rooms. It's a safe. It is quite literally the place where Harry can, for the first time in his life, be safe. Oh, oh. I love that. That's really that good. That was beautiful. That's very heartwarming. Thank you. <laughs> I also enjoyed your dramatic pause there, Will. It was very masterfully done. Well, that was a lovely fact, Will. Very yeah, lovely. That's very cool. Um, is, there, is there more, or shall I No, that's, that's, that's me. <laughs> well, dare I say it, we have reached... A logical point of uh, of ending, but not before I tell you my fact. Now, honestly, guys, I'm quite excited for this fact because I heard this and I was like, that is a really genuinely quite interesting fact. And it's one of those facts you can bring out at dinner parties to sound uh, well-informed. <laughs> so here it is. Well, um, do you all remember that advert? I should warn you, it's tenuously linked to Harry Potter at best. <laughs> but that advert that's like, um, uh, that used to be all about anti-piracy. That was all like, dun, 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 dun. you wouldn't steal a car. Dun, 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 dun. Yes. You wouldn't steal a. Oh, for, yes. for the record, we should say that isn't. It, it's not effort against actual piracy, but video piracy. Yes, video oh, piracy. Yes. It's a crime. <laughs> you wouldn't um, steal Captain Hook. Yes. Yeah. You wouldn't yeah, rob so a like, ship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't scream. Oh, pirates are like. <laughs> I would though. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's against uh, DVD piracy. Specifically, you can be a pirate as much as you like. Um, <laughs> but the music in that video, the sort of do 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 was in fact stolen and pirated without the composer's <laughs> awareness. Um, and the composer of this music <laughs> bought a Harry Potter DVD, and uh, here's the link, and then when obviously playing it, it played that advert, and he was like, wait a minute, that's my music. <laughs> and so he then sued them and got uh, all of this compensation. But ironically, that music in the anti-piracy advert was pirated. That so, uh... is the best fact I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> now, Nick, I'd like you to link it in some way to the Gryffindor conference. Room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, the, the thing about that is, uh, oh, while one. he was... Yeah. Well, DVD discs are circular. As is. Oh, oh that was actually very good. Oh. This is the insight you've gained from the future. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, Alex, you have been ablaze today. But, uh, you know... <laughs> I am, well, I was on fire in the flu network, so... Yeah, yeah. yeah. you were on fire? Is that <laughs> how it works? <laughs> it was how it worked for me. Oh. That's what happens when it goes wrong. It right. Yeah, I'm horribly disfigured now, guys. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, <laughs> thanks for listening along this week and joining us for Restful Night in the Gryffindor Common Room and Dormitories. If you enjoyed following Harry's journey, then don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, CastBox... And please follow us on social media. You can find us at Wanderlust TFM on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. See you there. Mischief managed. <laughs> managed. That, that, was, that was pretty perfect. <laughs>